it's me, Katie Osaurus, and welcome to episode 31 of Infinite Quest, which is, I think you can argue, a lot of episodes. Before we get started this week, we just wanted to issue a huge and profound thank you to the Infinite Quest family. Uh, we found out this week that Infinite Quest is actually in the top 50 mental health podcasts in the US. Uh, and that is a big deal. And we are floored and we are overwhelmed and we are just so, so grateful to each and every one of you for helping us spread the word, for helping us let people know that we exist and for your support and your continued enthusiasm for what we are trying to do. So from the bottom of both of our hearts, thank you so, so much. We'll have more information on how you can support Infinite Quest a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but before we start, we just wanted to let you know that Eric and I, as well as our good friend Eric Tate, uh, with some, I'm just going to be really honest, some heavy advisory input from one uh, Christopher, uh, have made it to the finals of uh, Lark Network's Melee Ball March Madness. So on Friday night, that's April 2nd, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, you can see us play Patrick Lawler's team for the crown and the trophy and the honor of being crowned uh, Melee Ball March Madness champions. So uh, if you're not doing anything on Friday, it's going to be at twitch.tv slash Lark Network. We're really looking forward to it. We'd love to see you there in the chat to cheer us on. Um, it's so much fun. Uh, so yeah, come on by and check that out. Uh, but for now, here is whatever this show turned into. This one got weird, y'all. So enjoy. Transition. All right, Katie. Do you want to start the real podcast now? That was, that was well. That was that was a lot of that was a lot of conversation about stuff, Katie. I hope I hope I hope you I hope you understand the logistics. Teacup teacup orbital mechanic is a big. Can't just get a teacup orbit into space that easy. It's I'm really excited thing. for when we have Katie Con 2021, and there's an actual panel on the. Th theoretics of teacup orbital mechanics taught by an actual astrophysicist oh, yeah. i want that i desperately want that to be a thing that happens at katie con get that get that sweet degrasse tyson up there talking just neil about I'll, i could call neil we can ask him call neil <laughs> i bet i'll do it <laughs> i call and what is it and we call uh ndt ndt <laughs> you know, get ndt up in here that'd be pretty cool <laughs> hey eric okay. should we make a podcast yeah let's make a podcast Okay. How you, how you doing, Katie? I'm so tired, Eric. I'm so tired. Yeah. Have yeah. you been sleeping? How's your headache? I know you had a headache last night. Uh, my headache's better, but I haven't I haven't slept in weeks. I mean, I sleep, but it's not like you know how like you're you can sleep, but you don't actually like sleep. Yeah. Like it's like that. It's yeah. a lot. I feel that way too. Like I feel like no matter what time I go to bed, I wake up and I'm like, oh, huh, huh. That wasn't yeah. that wasn't sleep. That was something else I was doing. I've also been having really vivid dreams. So like I wake up just exhausted from all the random shit that I did in my dream. I have I keep having scary dreams. Yeah. I keep having scary dreams that like people are mad at me. <laughs> it's like thanks, TikTok. It's know, great. Right? TikTok is like a it's it's like post a thing and if anybody on earth has something mean to say about it, they shall and they can do it here. It's true, it's but also just the de the degree to which it affects me is shocking. Like, and I hate it. I hate it so much, and it's so illogical. Like, I will post a video, and it will get, I don't know, two hundred thousand views, 
and of the, and it'll get 2000 comments which is a nice round decimal point of those 2000 comments 1980 will be kind and generous and nice and then the other like 20 will be like you're ugly or you're fat or this is dumb and you're wrong or adhd is fake and like do i do i spend any brain cells like do i rub two fucking brain cells together about the like 1900 kind and compassionate no of course not of course that's not what my brain lets me do my brain goes oh but there was that one comment there was that one comment every time every time yeah it's kind of obnoxious it's like it's it's like uh i don't know it's like what am i trying to think it's like if you were to put a drop of like ink in a huge container of water, it's just like a very small amount of ink, but suddenly the entire thing just feels contaminated, was like contaminated by this comment. So like no matter how many comments in your comment section are like nice and like, thank you, or that's interesting, or like having something constructive and interesting to say, the, the couple that are super mean and shitty, it's like, oh, well, every, it makes, like it kind of stamps your brain one's brain is being like okay this entire thing was a negative experience yeah which, which is I, like crazy that it has that much power it does and then i like and then i feel bad because i'm like giving trolls that much power which i shouldn't like i know it's not healthy but like it's not even like i'm actively choosing to dismiss the nice comments because like the nice comments like i love the comments that I get, like they mean so much to me. And it's like, I get emails and, and real mail and, and, and comments and, and messages and stuff all the time. And they're always so nice. They're always so nice, but like, for whatever reason, like negative reinforcement, like my brain just, you know, I could check my TikTok DMS right now. And I bet you I've got at least 20 messages from people just being like, Hey, thanks for your content. But is my brain going to go, Oh, but those 20 negative comments, like you got 40 more today that were nice. Like my brain goes, no, you're a piece of shit, piece of shit. Like why? It's just, that's just sounds exhausting. It's exhausting. It's like, and it's like, you know, you go to therapy, you work on it, but it's not like an instant cure. It's just frustrating. Yeah, it really is. I've been, I I feel like for me, my response to rejection symptom dysphoria has always been like, it's hard for me to selectively care about stuff. So if I like care, if I start to care about what other people think about what I'm doing or how I look or something like that, then I fall hard into the trap of starting to give a lot of shits about like the shitty comments. What are the negative things are like in order in, like, if I care about all of it, then the shitty things are going to be louder and more pervasive. And so my response to that has been to just like not give a shit about anything. And that is a dangerous fucking game to yeah. play. And so like my, I like rejection sensitive dysphoria as it applies to ADHD has always felt uh, kind of foreign to me. Like I, I, I don't really feel that I have rejection sensitive dysphoria, but that's because I've spent the last 10 years of my life training myself to just not give a shit about anything. And that's not great. Um, but let's, I mean, what's kind of, which is kind of some part of what's scary about this whole, the whole infinite quest thing and, and Katie and Eric on uh, whatever we're doing is that I really, really do care and I can't help it. And that's kind of a scary, it's a scary, but powerful thing. Like I can't decide to not care about this. I just do. And there's nothing I can do about that. And there's a powerlessness that comes with that, but it's also like immensely rewarding and stuff. 
but so I, 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 I kind of live in fear of, you know, I, I, I don't know, something getting to this thing that I care about. So these, the, you know, the, honestly, the negative comments towards you make me more angry than negative comments towards me. Like they really do. Cause with me, it's like, if somebody's being a dick, it, it's all, it's all information, I guess. It's all, when somebody's being a dick, it's all information whether the information is you should discredit what I'm saying or like not give a shit about what I'm saying, or maybe it's a valid criticism, but with you, it's like anything that makes your day worse. I just, I want to like, I want to rage out and like <laughs> fucking find the person or something like that. Obviously not actually, but you know, I just like, I start to lose sleep. over. Now, Blumkin, we've talked about this. It's <laughs> why Blumkin and Helvetica work so well together because it's our actual relationship. <laughs> think so too do you think you have like do, how do you how do i say this do you think you have rejection sensitive dysphoria like within yourself like if you're speaking to yourself and you have you know you're aware of all these nice things good things about you but you're also aware of a couple not so great things and those things are much more present or much more impactful than the, the positive. oh i see what you're saying um yeah but i don't think that's rejections i think that's something else i think that's just I think that's like a like a little bucket of things. I think that's stuff like imposter syndrome. I think that's stuff like just generally like low, like bad self-image, like low self-esteem. Rejection sensitive dysphoria is specifically about your brain filling in the gaps when it comes to perceived or real rejection. Like it, like so, I can't like reject myself. You know what I mean? And so mm. like. I can I can read a mean comment and my brain fills in the gap of like that person hates you that person is always going to hate you like you're a terrible person etc 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 but like there's that it's it's like that pattern recognition you know um whereas like I think if I'm just thinking about how I think I'm a piece of shit like it's it's less about like rejection and more of just like how i judge like the judgments that i put on myself if that kind of makes sense yeah yeah oh it totally does and which which i guess if you could get rid of one which would it be your rejection sense of dysphoria towards you know a sort of external things coming in or your internal turmoil oh god the answer i have is so dark I think this might be the darkest thing that I've ever said on the podcast. Like, I almost don't want to answer this question. You don't have to. It's all right. I, mean, you... I feel like it's important to answer. But I I would absolutely say rejection sensitive dysphoria because hmm. like, <clears throat> like, if I got rid of rejection sensitive dysphoria, it means that every time I say something stupid, every time I get an email with a period instead of an exclamation point, like every time, you know, somebody calls me and say, Hey, can we talk a little bit later? Or I don't get like so much of my time would be freed up by like, just giving myself permission not to worry about those things. But like my brain tells me constantly to worry about those things, you know, to a ridiculous point. And it's like, and I've been, you know, like in therapy for long enough and like working on this for long enough to where I at least now can recognize like how often I deal with this and how often it affects my life in such silly ways. 
but it doesn't mean that I'm to the point where I've just like, I've cured it and it's solved that I like never worry about it. Now it's just like, there's an extra step of like, I'm freaking out. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm freaking out. I'm going to feel this feeling and then we're going to move on for it. But like, it almost complicates it by like having the not mental fortitude, but the, but the external observation of like, this is rejection sensitive dysphoria. This is a logical, like you can move on. Like just because your boss sent you an email with a period at the end, not an exclamation point, doesn't mean that you're fired. Like, and, and we can all move on with our day, but it actually, I think takes more brain power to like do that evaluation and that sort of like self-evaluation. Whereas like the other one is different. Hmm. She said, I feel Dodging. like I, I feel like eventually one day I, I think I'm starting to understand what you mean by well, why the other one is such a, a darker thing. I feel like if we're both down, we could make an episode out of that some at some point. I mean, I'm just going to say it like no one will ever like. No one knows how much I truly hate myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just what it comes down to. Like, I like, laughed, but I, I, I did. It's not. I, I love you. I mean, no, it's it's fine. Like, I mean. I said this before on like the mental illness happy hour when I when when he had me on, but like the reason why I do all of this, the reason why I work so hard is not for me. It's not for me. Like, like, I don't deserve any of this. The reason why I do everything I do is so that maybe at the end of my life, like one or two other people will not feel like I have felt my whole life like that is why I do this. Like, I want to be very clear, like, I'm not getting rich from this. I'm not getting really famous from this. Like, I am doing this because I've figured out a way to maybe help a few extra people more than before. And hmm. that's why that's why I do this. So, so I'm going to ask you a question that I think is like, you are of- just you're really on this, like, really difficult question for Katie straight. I am this this past couple episodes. Hey, what, what are you gonna do? You're you're an interesting person. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? But so are I'm you a, Tony? <laughs> so I have a question that I, and I know this is unfair because there's no real answer to this question. And I think it's one of life's great mysteries that we all struggle Fail. with. But I'm still right. gonna throw it on you. Right. Why do you think you're so convinced that others are deserving of happiness and self-improvement and all that, but you you don't think you are worthy of it because trauma (laughs) like it's such an easy answer like it's a cop-out it's absolutely a cop-out but like that's the answer yeah because trauma (laughs) yeah i mean what i I suppose hmm so i guess how does that how does that trauma manifest into you believing that you're unworthy of happiness like what is the what does that end up looking like in the brain of katie that's a really hard question um i mean it's just logical like it it's just like for me and i think that's the hardest thing is because like chris and i have like a joke between us that like i like i'm the dr spock of our relationship if if we were star trek because like my aptitude for the logical is is profound um and like if something is illogical like it's a logical captain like it just fucking bugs the shit out of me and so one of the hardest things about 
the, one of the hardest things about my existence. Oh, my life is so tragic. Um, but like one of the hardest things about living in my brain is that I can always, no matter how upset I am, no matter what I am feeling, no matter how, like how heated up or angry or whatever, there is like, I have this weird ability to completely step out of that, completely step out of the emotion. And I don't mean like disassociating, like I don't mean that, but like to completely objectively look at the situation and go, this is illogical. You are not being logical. This is not a logical thing. Like you're being dumb, you're overreacting, whatever. And so like, I know that all the time. And so like, the next time we do a kink episode, I have so much to say about that and how that relates to my relationship with kink. But like that sort of self-awareness of like the logic of, a, of the situation most of the time supersedes the rest of it. Because like if my logic brain says you are being illogical about feeling this feeling or being upset or whatever, then I go, oh, you're right. Like, I don't need to feel this way. But what I'm learning and what I've been learning for a while is like sometimes you do need to feel stuff. You do need to feel a certain way in order to process things and to learn from things and to grow from things. But for a really, really long time, I would just say, this is not logical. You don't need to feel it. And so I would stop myself from feeling the feelings. And I think part of that is that. Oh, yeah. So in how, how is it logical to believe that you're not worthy of happiness? I don't know if it's that I think I'm not worthy of happiness. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that like, if somebody came along and punched me in the face, I wouldn't be like, well, I deserved it. Like I'd be rightfully pissed. Right. Um, because that is logical. But for me, it's like, if I have the choice to clean my kitchen or clean your kitchen, I will always clean your kitchen because cleaning your kitchen <coughs> gets you a clean kitchen and it makes you happy, which makes me happy. So it is more logical for me to clean your kitchen than my kitchen because three things of good is better than one thing of good. And then in fact, let us, uh, examine that further. In fact, is it not selfish for me to want to clean my own kitchen when there are thousands of people who don't know how to clean their own kitchen? So I should spend that time teaching people how to clean their own kitchen and making TikTok videos about their kitchens and supporting them through the journey of learning how to clean their own kitchen while my kitchen remains absolutely trashed because it would absolutely be selfish. Nay, uh, I would be a terrible person if I were to clean my own kitchen when there are so many people with kitchens dirtier than mine who need my help. Hmm. Would it then scan then logically that you should clean your own kitchen if you believed, nay, understood <laughs> that by cleaning your own kitchen, you are making one me happy to know that you're taking care of yourself, but also inspiring others to do the same and showing them that they can by cleaning your own kitchen. You are helping other people clean their kitchens. If you make, content yeah, 
<laughs> yes, but that's not like the logic of the illogical is still logical. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. But it sounds like the, if you're sort of weighing the two options <clears throat> in this analogy, like, kitchen yeah, it's, analogy, if you're it's, weighing the I, option yeah. I mean, of cleaning I think, other people's kitchens versus cleaning your own kitchen, if the argument is more happiness is created by cleaning others' kitchen than by cleaning my own, then if you could logically assemble it in your head in such a way that cleaning your own kitchen does as much good towards the happiness of it, you know, the most happiness yeah. produced in general as helping others clean theirs, yeah. then you could clean your own kitchen. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to something that I think we've talked about on this podcast before, like treat yourself like someone you care about, you know, right. like, and that, and that's the thing, but it's just like, I, I don't know, like, I'd be really interested someday to like sit down with like a good therapist and be like, I just want to unpack this one thing and I want to do it live on my podcast. But like, <laughs> because I do, like, I really do because it's like, it fascinates me because like, I also, I like, I, I do not pretend for a second that like, it's, it's not annoying. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I think like the kitchen metaphor only works to a certain extent and then it kind of falls apart. Sorry, excuse me, annoying to you or annoying for others? Both. Hmm. Um, because I mean, it's annoying to me because like, I would love to live in a house that looks like a magazine Pinterest board, but I know that's not the reality of what I can handle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but I also think that like, it's probably not the most unannoying thing for like Chris to come home and be like, whoops, I forgot to do the laundry again. You know, like. And so like, that's kind of things where I'm just like, well, I could have done, I could have did, I could have did, I could have done the laundry um, and taken care of both myself and you. But like, instead I didn't because it felt selfish to do the laundry. Like I, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Like I know that it's illogical, like the farther that you unpack it, but it's just like, I don't know, then I think it gets into like executive dysfunction and like motivation and dopamine and mm -hmm. just and all the shit that we have to deal with. Yeah, I think <clears throat> something that really scares the living hell out of me um, is m my logic brain being um, unknowingly being a response to a Ill more illogical part of my being. So for example, if I don't do the dishes for no reason other than I don't want to, my logic brain could kick in and assemble a logical structure towards why I'm not doing the dishes or why I shouldn't do the dishes or why I'm afraid of doing the dishes. And because I like thinking that way, cause it's fun. I can start to like, not well fun isn't, but it's, it's, it's stimulating. Um, I could spin out and just start creating logical constructs for why I behave the, the way that I behave. And so I think, something that really scares me is that is perhaps my logic brain is just sort of excusing behavior. That's actually much more simple. Um, which in whether or not, you know, when that's occurring is, is very hard to tell. I think. Um, no congratulations for you for making it to the middle of the episode and you definitely shouldn't go drink some water. 
That that was a hilarious twist on what I normally say. Just kidding. I'm really proud of you for getting to the middle of the episode. Are you hydrated? I worry. Hey, uh, just real quick. We just wanted to let you know that this week's episode of Infinite Quest is sponsored by the people who sell glasses. See, I remembered to say it first this time. Uh, and they're called zelool.com. It's Z-E-E-L-O-O-L.com. This is gonna be the only take of this I do. I don't even care. Uh, they sell glasses and they're affordable and they're stylish. And honestly, they just sent me a box of like their cool new uh, frames that they've got coming up for the summer. And no lie, y'all, there are some very, very cool ones. Uh, so I can't wait to show them off to you all soon. But if you go to Zelul, that's Z-E-E-L-O-O-L.com, and you use discount code KDO, that's C-A-T-I-E-O, they'll give you 10% off your order. Okay, bye! I don't know if that makes any sense at all. I'm, but- I'm still hung up on the fact that you don't deal with rejection sensitive dysphoria. Oh, Not really, this is no. like, this is new information to me. <laughs> like, no, I, I, know, I definitely really thought that was a thing that, like, I, I don't know why, but I guess I just assumed, which was rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really don't. I don't know why. I, um, I really don't. So, I, like, if I texted you, uh-huh. we need to talk. Right. What would, your, what, what would your emotional and mental response be to that? Well, that's, I, I think rejection sensitive dysphoria isn't denying all rejection or, or experiencing anxiety. I think if you text right. me, we need to talk, you know, I, I think I would, well, for one, if you texted me, we need to talk, I would immediately, I would immediately start disasterifying. I would assume something awful has happened or I, I don't know. So, so I absolutely would still do that. But when I say I don't experience rejection sensitive dysphoria, it's, I, if, if somebody, if somebody comments on a video of mine or something like that, something shitty, um, I don't care at all. It just doesn't, it doesn't phase me. Um, I don't know how much of that is practiced and how much of that is not. Um, I think part of it is, 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 I think oftentimes if everything negative is taken as equally important to valid criticism, then valid and useful criticism can get diluted. Um, and I want to take the valid criticism. Um, so if somebody says, you know, I hate you and you're ugly, like that's not useful to me. To me. Um, but if somebody criticizes me in a way where it's like, oh shit, and it turns out they're right. And they, I actually did fuck up or I actually did, you know, if, if I was wrong or if I was, my tone was condescending and mean, um, I, I want to know that. And I think it's harder to take, to recognize valid criticism if everything is taken as equally important. Um, I mean, I, I think I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast before, but, um, my whole, so much of my life has been contextualized by trying to seem smart, um, and trying to come off as smart. And mm-hmm. I always thought it made a person look not smart, um, if they reject valid criticism. Um, like if somebody, you know, is having an argument about something and it comes midway through, it it becomes very clear that they're wrong. I think it makes them look stupid to keep arguing the point that is now very clearly wrong. I think they should cut their losses and go, oh shit, you're right. I I was wrong. So if somebody on my video has valid criticism saying like, actually, this is a very, you know, misleading thing to say or something like that, I'll take it down because that's valid criticism. Um, and so I think my fear, my fear is always, is and always will be, well, perhaps not always will be, 
is looking stupid. And I think if I don't, if I'm not capable of, of sifting through all of the negative things that people say and finding the valid criticisms, then I'm more likely to not be able to respond to the criticism in a way that is both useful and perhaps making me look smart. So it's all based in insecurity, which is kind of ironic. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I really, I really don't experience rejection sense of dysphoria, um, or at least not. I don't experience what what has been made clear to me is what other people describe as rejection sense of dysphoria. <laughs> well, then here's here's a hard hitting journalistic question for you. Um, so if it's not rejection sensitive dysphoria and it's not logic, why do you not take care of yourself? Because I'm late. Because 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 it's boring to take care of yourself. That's it. I mean, that's really it. That's that's really it. It's and that's kind of what I mean by you know having it's it's dangerous to get to to, to trying to, to to assembling logical structures towards why things are happening um, because. Well, then why do you keep asking me all these questions about why I do stuff, Eric? Because I wanted to hear what you would say if I asked. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah, I don't care myself because it's boring and being boring is painful. And so I don't. It's awful. But like I, I'm genuinely I'm 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 scared to. So I guess now and if I unpack that. I don't take care of myself because I'm afraid of how painful being bored is. Right. Uh, and so I don't, I'd rather be miserable than bored. Um, sometimes those things can go occur, but I'd rather be miserable than bored. And so but the idea of that like, if you took care of yourself, maybe things would be less boring. Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, I think a big part of my frustration frustration and why I, fucking hate myself so much so for, uh, like not all the time but a lot of the, you know a lot of the time um is because i'm so aware that the things that i value uh things like uh creativity and and creation in general are aided by things that i'm knowingly not doing i know they would aid me in doing that but i don't do what them do you anyways. mean um well for example uh if i wanted to build a new body for Fuggins. So like to those of you who don't know who Fuggins is, it's a long story, but largely Fuggins is a four foot tall robot puppet that is in Georgia, <laughs> not in California where I am. He's so watching I, over me right now. He's in your me. background, yeah. So if I wanted to make a new body for Fuggins, which is roughly two feet by one feet large, the first step would be to take all the trash off of my desk. The second step would be to take all the dishes off my desk. The third step would be to clear off my desk. My Mies is not unplugged. <laughs> I'm not set up to do that kind of stuff. And so I don't because I know that in order to start any, any creative task that I want to do, there's first going to be a 10, 20 minute long cleaning up, getting my shit together session. So it's not conducive to creating things, especially if you have ADHD and a creative idea might only last for a couple seconds in your brain if, if action isn't taken. And so knowing physically where like my tools are, having a reasonably clean and clear workspace, um, not being so exhausted because I didn't sleep the night before that I, that I can't do the thing, all those things directly stop me from doing things that I value and enjoy. Um, and I know that, and I still don't do them. And that really bothers me. And I think the long and short of it is, is 
you know, I mean, there are a lot of val, you know, clinical reasons why I don't do that in terms of, you know, executive dysfunction and all of that, that make it much harder for me to do those sorts of things. Um, but they're still doable. Um, but I just don't because I hate being bored so much that, you know, I, I avoid them. And, and, and ironically, it produces more boredom because doing a lot of the things that would cause me to not be bored, various creative projects, whatever, um, those projects are often put on hold and delayed indefinitely because I refuse to do the, the boring cleanup work beforehand to get them done or just start them even. Is there, do you distinguish between like a task that is uninteresting and like being bored? Does that make sense? Do I distinguish between like doing a task like, that's uninteresting versus being bored? Like if you don't have anything to do, you're bored, right? Because you don't have anything to do. But like also, I don't know, folding the laundry is woefully uninteresting. So it's mm. boring. But like, do you have like a distinction between like doing a task that is boring, but you're doing a task? Mm. Or is it just sort of like a general all purpose, just boredom? Um, cause I'm bored all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm always a little bored, like just a little bit, like, yeah, I, like I've just it's always very been rare a that little I'm not bit a little bored. of a little bored and I feel bad. I feel bad about that, but I'm always a little bored. Just yeah, little. me too. It's, it's extremely rare that my, my boredom is completely gone. And those are though chef's kiss. Those are the moments. Um, but, but I think, I think doing those. So I guess, I, I, I guess this isn't. I guess what I consider your question to be, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth. No, what I'm right. hearing is, is doing a boring task um, the causer of boredom or is that something that happens in an instance of boredom, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So if I'm latently bored because I have nothing to do and I then and I have to fold laundry, the folding laundry while bored, it's almost mocking the fact that I'm bored. It's like you're bored and you can't do anything or I, I think I can't do anything to make me not bored because you have to fold this laundry. So it's Got like it. if you're drowning in boredom and the laundry is sort of like holding onto a cannonball and you have to stay here because you have to finish this task. Um, so I think boredom is sort of a, a, a space that other things can occur in. Um, and I mean, boredom is, is ugh, one, of the, one of the most deeply terrifying things to me. And one of the most deeply angering things to me, because I often, I usually consider it to be my fault, um, which I just fucking hate. Um, but I don't know. So it's almost like the tasks, well, I mean, tasks that are boring, I think can bring on boredom because I, they prevent me from doing something that, you know, would make me not bored. Um, and so, yeah. So I, I, I think ta those tasks, it's, it's, I, I would say it's not that those tasks specifically are boring. It's that they can beget boredom. But, but honestly, that paradigm, I'm going to use that word paradigm, um, has, I think, in the long run, profoundly affected my life for the better, honestly. Um, and that's because if I'm doing something, if I have to do something that on its face is boring, the game then becomes, how can I make this not boring? Um, and so if I'm folding laundry or chopping a bunch of onions, 
my inclination is to try to figure out a way to make this task less boring, which usually turns into, well, can I do it differently? Can I do it better? Can I do it more efficiently? Like what are the properties of this particular fabric that make it difficult to fold or something like that? Um, which is fun, but it also uh, is slightly less efficient, but you know, it, it's fun. And so I've, I've, I've made a practice out of making things that are on their face, boring, less boring by thinking about them in, in different ways, hopefully. Um, but would you say that your boredom, how, how often I would, would you say you experience boredom that is brought on by something specifically like an event or a task? And how often do you experience boredom that just sort of spawns? Ah, uh, um, fuck. I mean, I guess like, I guess like maybe that's a difficult question for me to answer because like I've always just equated boredom with like being understimulated, which I think is probably fundamentally two different things. But mm. like if I have to fold the laundry, like the like the laundry is a boring task, but at least it's something to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not, but it's not stimulating. And so I'm still bored, but I'm I'm bored, but I have an activity. You know what I mean? But I think like weirdly circling back to last week's episode when we talked about school like i spent most of my childhood bored out of my mind in school like bored bored and so like i learned how to sort of like i hate the phrase stimulate myself because it sounds like a, like a masturbation joke but like <laughs> i learned how to keep myself entertained in other ways um and so like I don't like I don't know like I guess like I'm always just like a little bit understimulated like I, I really can only think of maybe half a dozen times in my life that I was really like not bored and that's sad I think like I think that's maybe like a little sad but it's true like there's just always this element of like I need something. I need something else. I need something else going on. I need I need some kind of something to like scratch this invisible omnipresent itch that just always exists like at the back of my brain. Um and and I think maybe that's like a really good way to describe it is like it's less about the boredom and it's more about the itch. Like yeah. I, I would just give anything for that itch to get scratched a little more often. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of, um, there's something called the, the Yerkes Dodson law, um, also known as peak arousal theory. Um, go ahead and chuckle. Go ahead and chuckle. No, go ahead and chuckle. That's okay. You listen. I'm sorry. It was funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I was thinking about, that. I just, I just had, you know, that like show where like people are like attracted to roller coasters. I was thinking about somebody who was like just deeply into Mount Everest and they're like, yeah, peak arousal. <laughs> yeah. It's when, it's when you, yeah. When you, when you reach the summit of a mountain, you're just like, Oh God. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but what what peak arousal theory or, or yerkes dodson law is is the idea that everybody has an optimal amount of stuff going on for them to be the most comfortable and perform the best i mean it's 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 ultimately a model of how to get the most out of your employees um but the idea is that some people require a lower amount of stuff going on in order to be at their optimal like mental performance or acuity some people need more any more than whatever that person's, you know, peak arousal zone is. And they're freaked, they're stressed, they're freaking out, there's too much going on, anything less than that, and they're just fucking bored. Um, and I think with ADHD being fundamentally about 
dopamine and norepinephrine deficiency. I think if we're understimulated, it's not just inconvenient, it's like excruciating. <laughs> like our brain kind of like our brain has too little of a thing that it needs to be okay. And it's, I mean, it's excruciating. It's terrifying. And I think uh, we're like looking back into my school days, it could never be just the lesson. It could never, well, it could rarely be just the lesson. If the lesson was fucking killer. And I don't just mean the teacher's like teaching of it, but if the thing itself was so intricate and so complicated and so cool that it was enough to get me to that, you know, peak arousal, then it had to be the lesson plus a bunch of other stuff that was going on, whether it was like, you know, trying to figure out if anybody in the class was left-handed or a lot of times it was, um, I would try to, uh, build us like a sculpture on my desk out of my desk supplies while the teacher was, was doing stuff. Um, or I was, uh, a big thing was I would uh, run my hand along the bottom of the desk to try to that's a risky bet. It was a real. Oh, I touched a lot That's of gum. That's a risky bet. Touched a lot of gum. Ew! But, but, but you I touched would... the bottom of a desk. <laughs> yeah. Ew! I've touched your hands. <laughs> Ew! It was to try to to try to figure out like what the topology of the bottom of the desk was. Like, are there any scratches or anything? But either way, it had to be the lesson plus a bunch of other stuff. And I think that can be sort of a fundamental experience for people with ADHD is there has to be other stuff to to bump them up to that level of arousal to the point where they're hopefully not so bored that they can't function, which is strange. It also weirds me out because a lot of people who have ADHD claim that they, you know, they, they need to listen to music in order to, to function and do a thing, which is of course super duper valid, do what you got to do. Um, but for me, it's not. Yeah. I, I can't, yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't do music and like learn lines. Like it has to be absolutely silent. I can't yeah. like, or a lot of people tell me that like they use like our like this like our podcast to like get stuff done and i'm always just like how like i mean that's cool that's cool if you do but i was like i need absolute silence oh, yeah. or i well, cannot function it's strange i haven't quite figured out for myself what what the, what the deal with that is because some some circumstances i need a bunch of auxiliary things going on to bump me up to my arousal threshold to the point where I can pay attention. But sometimes absolutely not that. Sometimes I need to cut out all other sources of stimulus so that the thing that's going on is the thing that's going on. Yes, I brought this up in the kink episode. I was really surprised at that. I thought having doing a scene where I'm sorry about playing. the face that I just made at you. It just got me. It <laughs> just got fine. me. I but just I gave you a thirsty look <laughs> you did you did i remember yes you did it was great it was great everybody just just pick, it looks sort of like uh uh it, it looks sort of like that one gif of uh of, of, of michael scott you know where he's scanning <laughs> if you know you know anyways um but yeah i thought doing a scene while music was playing and like incorporating that into the scene would be amazing but it wasn't my brain just was like it couldn't latch on to anything um and i, I don't know but sometimes i very much need multiple things going on um but I don't know. I think, I think ultimately when, in terms of school or well, in terms of any task, there needs to be enough moving parts to it so that my ADHD, such that my ADHD can still bounce around from, from thing to thing, but still have all those things be contained within, you know, the umbrella of the task that needs to be done or something. So laundry itself, just as long if thought about as just folding laundry, doing laundry is really boring. But if I'm folding laundry and I think about um, you know, if I, or I try to develop new techniques for folding laundry, or if I see if I can fold 
you know, one shirt with one hand while folding another shirt with the other hand or so stuff like that. I have to add on dork. layers to it. I have to figure I have to do I have to I have to zoom into a thing until it's eventually vivid enough for my brain to, to latch onto, which makes me both a very good cook because I'm constantly discovering new and better ways of doing things, but also a terrible cook because I'm also discovering new and terrible ways of doing things. <laughs> but hey, that's the scientific method, baby. You got You got to throw shit at the wall. This is true. Hey, Eric, I will give you $5 right now if you can tell me what this episode is about. This episode is about sounds coming out of our mouths and rejection sensitive dysphoria and flying teacups and overstimulation and boredom and apparently kink a couple times. It came up twice. That's interesting. I don't know. What do you, well, you title the episodes. What, do you, what, is, this, what is this episode titled? Good. Oops. That's good. Oops. <laughs> no, uh, we're going to call it flying teacups and. And bullshit. And in the USA, boring flying teacups. That's what we're going to call it. Um, <laughs> that's that's maybe. really good. Well, that's I think it's kind good. of fitting because like what I intended to talk about during this episode was um, how my basically the, the experience of executive function when you have a bunch of of having an executive dysfunction when you have a bunch of shit to do. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're basically like, I have, a, I have a bunch of shit to do and, you know, infinite quest shit to do. And every time I settle on what the highest priority is and I start doing it, a couple seconds later, my brain shifts its priorities and goes, oh, wait, actually, this other thing is the highest priority. And then when I start doing that, something else comes up and my brain goes, oh, actually, this is the highest priority. So the two, the, the, the option becomes basically if you, you can be you can be working on the most important thing at all, you know, all the time, but you will never finish it because what the most important thing is, is constantly changing. Or you can succumb, you can go, okay, I'll get something done, but I will never have the satisfaction of having completed the most important thing because what the most important thing is to me isn't staying the same long enough for me to actually finish it. And I have been bouncing around in that bubble for like two weeks and I'm so furious all the time. And it's I'm really sorry. bothering Hey, it's it's cool. I mean, you know, we all it's, get the, we play with the hand we're dealt. That's true. I just want a new chair. You know, I like hate this. this chair so much, and I just is it because it's all I can focus on is how much I hate this chair. Why do you why do you hate that chair, Katie? Because like it like moves and it like squeaks and it's like it's not comfy and my desk is like too wide. So I always have to like scrunch forward. So like, I've just like, my back has felt like shit for weeks, but then it's twirly. And so then I get distracted and it's just like an ADHD fucking nightmare because I just caught, like, I just realized that I can like move the thing and that's going to be a terrible noise on the podcast, but it's all I could focus on was like making the hand things go up and down. Uh, you know, I think I figured out what this episode is about and what? it's, it's accidental. It's totally accidental, but it's, it's about executive dysfunction. I mean, because we can't like every time we, we start talking episode. about something and i'm like oh this is the episode we're talking about I mean, let's do it do you do you feel like maybe this is like the way that we close this episode i don't know well maybe we'll just never stop talking quite <laughs> frankly but like do you feel just like i don't know what like for i don't want to speak for you but like for me it's like with everything going on right now with like infinite quest and the TikTok stuff and the, and the twitch stuff and the youtube stuff and all of the secret stuff that I can't talk about yet. Like, I just, I feel like I kind of exactly like what you just said. Like, I just feel like I am constantly 
trying to figure out like where to put my energy where to focus my like it's like that like it's not a deficit of attention it's a direction of attention like great thanks <laughs> but like I'm just like I'm struggling so hard and so like the weight of like trying to find something like intelligent and, and exciting to talk about on our podcast like that is weighing on me and then it's like every time I try and make a cognizant thought like 17 more pop into my head like mm. I'm just like I can't talk thought good today. <laughs> you're, I think, I think you're doing great, but, but yeah, I th my frustration is, is yeah, exactly the same. I, f I feel like I'm constantly working, but I'm only doing like the first 2% of every task before I realize that there's actually something way more important. And so I direct my energy towards that. And then I realize, Oh wait, I have to get this YouTube video out. So I'll start doing that. And then it just keeps spiraling and spiraling. And then I end up working all day and getting nothing done. And yeah. it's infuriating. Yeah, I've had a, about a week and a half of working like, you know, nine to two in the morning. But Let's somehow, be honest, you never stop. You, you don't stop working. Katie. I stop sometimes. You I think you slow down sometimes, but. Um, but like it just it just weirdly feels like i haven't accomplished anything and i'm just so frustrated at myself i'm sorry katie it's okay i'm sorry that you feel the same way yeah she you gets your emojis finished i think yes i think so i was exciting oh god what are I, your emojis my bit or my tier emojis are tier one is a whiteboard marker tier two is a fried egg and tier three is Fuggins. Fuggins' face. That's so good. And then my bit emojis are super fucking arrogant, but it's it's like my face, like but like as if I was looking over a hill. So it's just like my nose up. <laughs> and then so there's one of them is just my face. The second one is me, but like wearing like a fancy person outfit. And then the third one is me with like devil horns and red eyes and like cool. So you get like regular eric or then you can get like fancy pants eric and it feels so arrogant but it's like people said like hey you should make it your face wear different costumes it'd be cool and so i don't think that's arrogant if it's what people ask for i suppose we'll, we'll see i mean all this is so weird like being like hey everybody you should listen to me talk anyways i'm just gonna start talking about how insecure i am about everything <laughs> Well, everybody, we hoped you enjoyed this episode of Infinite Quest. They probably didn't. Let's probably be real. <laughs> but we're sorry. We're, we're sorry for this one. We're freaking it's out. It's been a little. really long week. Dude, it has, man. Ever since the Twitch stuff started. I mean, and Twitch, I mean, I like Twitch. Twitch is fun, but it's just like another place for me to feel like I'm fucking up, which I am in a lot of ways. But um, hey. anyways. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Don't fucking talk about my friend that way. Well, thanks, Kate. My friend is amazing and talented and good at things and works really, really hard every day and goes woefully underappreciated for what he does. So don't talk about him that way. Well, thanks, Katie. You're welcome. You're the best. No, you. Hey, everybody. You made it to the end of the episode. So at the beginning of last week's episode, we talked a lot about our Patreon and about the fact that about 99% of our listening and viewing audience enjoys what we do for free every single week. 
We said it last week, and we'll say it again this week, that keeping Infinite Quest free and accessible and available for anybody who wants to learn more about themselves and their brains or their neurodivergent partners is really, really important to us. And that is why we are so grateful for everybody who is able to help support our mission of education and advocacy for everybody. From the very beginning, we have always sought to build a community, and this week the community came through for Infinite Quest in a big way, and so we want to thank the following people for joining us as supporters of Infinite Quest. Megan and Elaine and Crystal and Daniela and Sarah and Molly and Mara and Jennifer and Sarah and Kaylee, and Miranda, and Nusrit, and Amy, and Neri, and Jess, and Ralph, and Kate, and Amelia, and Trey, and Zoe Cat, and Ace, and Francesca, and Molly, and Britta. Whew. Thank you all so much for joining the Infinite Quest family. We're really excited to have you. We're going to get a few more chairs out from the garage so you all can uh, come on in and sit down. Uh, but yeah, if you are interested in joining the Infinite Quest family, we just want to remind you that if just one in four of our listeners donated a dollar to the Patreon, we would have more than enough money to finance Infinite Quest for the next year. Now, we also know what it's like to not be exactly flush with cash at the end of the month. And so if you are not in a position to contribute, no worries and no expectation at all. One of the best ways that you can help Infinite Quest for absolutely free is simply by helping us spread the word. Review our podcast over on Apple Podcasts. You can also, you know, tweet about us, Instagram us, uh, TikTok or us. Uh, whatever you can do to help people know Infinite Quest exists, we certainly appreciate it. But for this week, we're going to sign off. And from all of us here at Infinite Quest, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your generosity. And thank you for coming back to Infinite Quest week after week and making us a part of your lives. We are so, so grateful. Remember to take your meds. Remember to drink water. Remember to be kind to yourself this week. And remember that we love you. Have a great week, everybody.